Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. So, okay, guys, well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for tuning in. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you guys today. Her name is Dr. Ann Connard. Say hi to everyone, Ann. Hi. <laughs> thank so you I am, for tuning in. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to uh, share her story with uh, all, all my audience members. I, uh, they're going to be so stoked to hear about you. So uh, just a little bit about Dr. Ann Kennard. So she is an osteopath uh, like myself, and uh, we definitely love our um, osteopaths. Um, but she's also a board-certified um, OBGYN. And uh, what's interesting about her is that she has uh, is fellowship trained in integrative medicine. And uh, she's a certified yoga and meditation instructor. Um, and also she is really, really, really passionate about herbal medicine. So um, I'm going to, uh, you know, I just, I just love hearing about people's stories, just especially in a snapshot like that, right? And um, I want you to share you know, how did you come about, you know, going from OB? Um, I mean, you're still doing OB, but how do you, how did you go from OB to, you know, integrative medicine to herbal medicine? Because it almost seems like two different worlds. <laughs> it kind of is two different worlds, but it, I don't think it should be because women's medicine is such a nice application for, for integrative medicine. So my background before I went to medical school was I got a bachelor's in nutrition science and did a year of master's coursework as well. And I went into medicine knowing that I loved nutrition, I loved wellness. And that was one of the reasons I chose to go to DO school was I, I like the mind-body-spirit approach to mm-hmm. the osteopathic philosophy. And so I went through medical school, uh, Loved women's health, loved delivering babies and the continuity of care throughout the lifetime. And so I did an OBGYN residency. And as I started to see more of the lifestyle related diseases and complications in pregnancy, I really wanted to be well versed in the evidence based approaches to starting mm-hmm. to help women make positive changes in their health. And so after my residency, I enrolled in the two-year integrative medicine fellowship through the University of Arizona with Andrew Weil mm-hmm. and did that. That was a great experience. And I thought that that would be it. <laughs> but <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I don't know. It, it is what it is. But during that um during that training, I became more aware of herbal medicine through Dr. Tyrone Lodog, who was the, the director of the fellowship and one of the key instructors. And the herbal medicine was so appealing to me because I think because um, 
in pregnancy, people are looking for those types of things often because Western medicines people are wary of or they don't want to use them. Or I would see a lot of GYN patients that would ask, well, what else is there? Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I had a great answer because I wanted to provide things that were safe and evidence-based, but I also wanted to, you know, help people have the treatment approach that they desired. So I started looking more into herbal medicine. I read Dr. Lodog's books and I started to tinker around with making herbal medicines at home um, through some Mm. of her recipes. And, you know, I just loved making it like it felt so creative to me to think, okay, like, what does this person need or what does my family need? And I would put the herbs together and make a tea or a tincture, glyceride or a salve or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And it was just so fun and creative to be making stuff. So I got Mm -hmm. kind of into that and enrolled in um, Dr. Lodog's clinical herbalism program. And so becoming a clinical herbalist through that program. Um, I'm finishing that up now. And then it just, it all tied so well too with my interest in mind-body medicine and with yoga. I'm also a certified yoga um, and prenatal yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of how I came to have this mismatch of of skills. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, um, I mean, women's health in general, um, especially uh, not only their own health and, you know, women's health uh, for the audience members is obviously it's just going over uh, the female reproductive system and it's just this whole big realm. And, you know, that's why we have, um, you know, specialists for this. And then also to add to that is, you know, prenatal care. It's, um, you know, the, the whole process of, you know, a woman being, you know, in labor, through pregnancy, through delivery, you know, labor, things like that. And so there's a lot of key components. And not only are you dealing with one, but you could possibly be dealing with, you know, two sets of lives. And it could be very, very overwhelming and challenging. And it's interesting how, um, you know, you're also adding, you know, this whole other world, you know. And um, it actually reminds me when I um, – so I graduated – when I, so I did family practice for my training, and um, I graduated from a program who the medical director at the time um, studied functional medicine, and he uh, had really, really close friends who are naturopaths, right? And I remember shadowing them um, or doing a rotation in their offices, and I remember this whole wall of uh, tinctures and elixirs and basically literally you know what you're describing just creating all these different types of herbal remedies um so you know i am familiar with dr wild's work and um, he is considered like a you know a grandfather um you know in you know herbal medicine and um he's set up the school first yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, yeah. He he traveled the entire world and and, and studied um and studied plants. You know that's what yeah, he did yeah, originally. Yeah, he did ethnobotany. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he's he's really really well learned and well studied, and you know it's amazing. Um, you know that he's created the school and created so many graduates like yourself. So so basically, you know, going off of that, um, so what did you you know learn having gone through this? 
um, you know, this route in your career? And, you know, what, what are, what are the things have you gained from it? Like, for example, the lessons and how have you applied it? Did that elevate, make your practice a little bit well-rounded, you know, so to speak, and how did your uh, patients respond to it? Yeah. So this is a two-part story for sure. Um, and I think it bears um, saying that learning about ancient medicines, those are those are all herbs. You know, when we look at traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic mm-hmm. medicine, they're herbs and they're foods. And I don't know if um, people appreciate, too, how many of our current Western medications are derived from herbs. And mm-hmm. the things we use routinely, you know, digitalis and um, mm-hmm. chemotherapy agents and aspirin, these are all you know, isolated herbal compounds made in yep. the lab. So to answer your question, you know, at first I was seeing patients in the office, typical OBGYN patients, and it helped me with those difficult um, concerns that a lot of practitioners have a hard time with. Um, we call it gynecology in the specialty mm-hmm. where mm. uh, people have, you know, kind of nonspecific complaints of fatigue mood disorders, um, they feel blah, they think it's their hormones, they want their thyroid checked. <laughs> Not that you different know. from my world. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of that like falls under women's medicine in the annual exam. Um, people are there for their pap and, you know, other conversations come up. I felt like it really gave me a lot more tools for motivational interviewing, for talking about diet and lifestyle considerations for recommending evidence-based herbal remedies or supplements. And the patients, I mean, it was a self-selecting group, like people that wanted to see me were interested in this kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. patients responded so positively. You know, my wait list was months and months and months long really, I think for that reason, like people liked that approach. They, they liked the alternative suggestions, um, Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. between mind body practices, um, to any of the things we talked about osteopathy. And, you know, I really took it as how I feel the specialty should be because OBGYN is considered a primary care specialty, even though we're surgical. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the table that um, the American College of OBGYN puts out, it says diet and lifestyle counseling as part of the annual exam. And it has a little asterisk next to it. And it says Mm. for high risk groups only. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like that's probably the most important thing I do all day because, yeah, I can deal with life threatening illnesses and obstetric emergencies. And when people need that, that is, you know, an absolutely essential skill. But this other question that doctors weren't really taught to answer is, well, what makes a person well? That's Mm. a totally different conversation. Yeah. Why do you, um, why do you think in your opinion, there's an asterisk, you know, uh, for that? You know, why is it only considered and only limited to high risk? And not, you know, just for general counseling, general, you know, women's health, um, you know, counseling. I think with the number of components that need to be taken care of with a well woman exam in terms of screening, cancer prevention, domestic violence screening, um, you know, age-related things, 
contraception. There's a lot of things to cover, and unfortunately, it just gets relegated because, yeah, you know, the office visits aren't that long, and there's limitations in terms of insurance payers, and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that no doctor ever went into medicine to deal with, but are part of the reality. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and um, it's just, we're just not well-versed, you know what I'm saying, and we're not well-educated in that space. Um, I don't know for you, but I've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, our nutrition, like my personal nutrition wasn't, it was only like 10 10 credit hours, it was mainly biochemistry, and um, it was mainly, you know, our schooling was mainly just pathophysiology and pharmacology, and for our uh, audience members, that means you know, um, how disease uh, conditions arise and um, studying about how drugs work. That's literally the brunt of most, you know, I, I would, I would you know, be safe to say, you know, most medical school trainings. And if you think about it, like I had to think about it, I was like thinking, well, how come we don't talk about, you know, you know, of course how things work, but how, why can't we talk about more about prevention and just focus on maintaining health and maintaining the body and what it takes, what are the components that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that make up that foundation, you know, which is basically most of my counseling for literally almost every kind of patient that comes in. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, a cold or they're coming in for back pain or they're, you know, they're, they, um, you know, they just want to refill their medications for blood pressure. I mean, it's, uh, it's everything because it, 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 it's affecting every single, not just organ system, but like the entire body, because as you and I both know, osteopathy, the, the, the perspective is the whole, you know, whole inclusion of the body, you know, um, everything connecting to each other. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So that's awesome. Um, So my next question to you is, you know, focusing, narrowing down on herbal medicine and, um, you know, and I know that you have a cookbook, you know, coming up uh, soon and we'll definitely, you know, highlight that um, in a bit. But what is the, why do you think, tell us the importance of the intersection of herbal medicine and food um, and nutrition? Oh, I love this topic. It's so fun. You know, I've <laughs> always loved to cook and the medicine making, you know, felt much like creative cooking to me. And, you know, what I see is people, they come in with Trader Joe's bags full of supplements, right? There's like hundreds Mm -hmm. of dollars worth of supplements in there. And you get people taking, you know, like 20 things a day and, you know, they have their pill keeper that is exploding. And I just think like, well, that's not fun. You know, like nobody wants to take all that stuff. You've got motivated patients that are willing to, but there's no joy in swallowing, you know, 20 capsules of something. Yeah. And so when the food can be made as medicine in a way that tastes delicious and is nourishing to the body and the same thing with herbal medicine, you know, a lot of it is very palatable. People around the world eat it in 
various preparations and it can just be something to be enjoyed rather than something that you have to take. Can you give us, um, uh, for those of us who are not that well-versed in herbal medicine or not natu- uh, naturopathic medicine, because I think there are similarities, you know, describe to the audience, you know, what is a salve? What is a, you know, tonic or elixir? Um, mm. you know, so they can have some um, basic vocabulary. Yeah, so there's, I'll go through the most common things that I make because there's lots of words used and a lot of them don't have a strict definition. They're just sort of whatever the maker chooses to say. And I think that mm-hmm. that's part of the problem, honestly, with herbal medicine is the the lack of regulation of the um, nomenclature. Because mm-hmm. even when you go to the store and you look at different bottles, you know, one tincture will be one to three fresh herb and another will be one to five dried herb. And, you know, there's, it's hard for the consumer to sort out what the dosage is and what is a quality product. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then when we're using words like elixir, tonic, you know, and those things mean different things depending on culture too. You know, when you say tonic in Chinese medicine, um, that means, you know, a, a vitality restore an enhancer of energy and reserve when you say it in you know just more of an american way sometimes it can just mean a drink you know Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so the context matters and so the the formulations that i use most often um some of them are very basic you know a tea we forget about tea as an herbal medicine but you can get a full strength herb steeped in a tea and often if you've got a lot of volatile compounds like something um, that that smells strongly you know like a spearmint or basil anything that you open up the herb and you go wow that that smells um, that has a lot of volatile oils that you don't want to destroy by cooking or making Mm -hmm. into other things and so even brewing in a room temperature water like a sun tea you know Mm. peppermint brewed in tepid water retains the most of the volatile oils and is a a fantastic medicine. You know, same with lemon balm. Um, Thyme is another one of those. The thymol in that Mm -hmm. is is very volatile. So tea, you know, when you make a medicinal tea, it's not the flavor teas that you just dump the tea bag in, you know, and take it out. This is a, a steeping of at least 10 minutes, usually about a a tablespoon of herb per eight ounces of water, really Mm -hmm. letting the aqueous extraction happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's one option. If you've got something that's more like a root or bark, you know, something that's more woody, um, that's not going to extract out as nicely just on its own, you can make a decoction, which is basically like a simmering, tea you know like my mother used to put on cinnamon sticks on the back of the stove you know to make the house smell good Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lots of people's families do that well cinnamon's a bark and what she really was doing was decocting it you know oh okay and then that that um, liquid that is left over after it's simmered down is the medicine and Mm. so those are the aqueous extractions in water and some things will extract better with a 
a higher potency solvent. And so that's when you start looking into um, tinctures and glycerides. Tinctures is an alcoholic solvent. Um, a glyceride is with vegetable glycerin, so it's sweet. Children are amenable to it. Animals will drink it. And one advantage of those is that typically the dosage is around 5 ml, like a teaspoon, as opposed to 8 ounces of tea, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So that can be a, a factor as well in, in compliance. And just what things taste good with, too, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And then syrups, um, I think, are often what people will refer to as elixirs, although those can be decoctions as well. Syrups are usually, you know, a thick, simmered, aqueous, honey base. Um, They tend to need to be refrigerated. You know, they don't have the shelf life of an alcoholic tincture. And then there's some more creative ways of using these things. And and this is where I think the real fun comes in is... Mm -hmm. Um, putting them into honeys, um, mm. making making popsicles out of them, making you know fire cider or um, power balls with powdered herb that still tastes good. You know these these are nice ways to get a full dose of herb, just like you would take a capsule, but but it's in your food. Yeah, that's um, that is very powerful. Yeah, thank you for breaking that down. Um, I think one of the, you know, for one of the biggest hurdles for consumers, clients, and patients is really, you know, um, it's the lingo, right? It's the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's not just, you know, us, you know, going through school and training um, and, you know, just absorbing this knowledge, but it's also deciphering and, and understanding the, the vocabulary, it's almost like another language. And so um, it's for us to be able to decipher um, and break this down for people. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, You're welcome. Um, but yeah, this makes me think of uh, just so many different things. It makes me think of, uh, you know, um, uh, definitely my training, um, that, that rotation I had with uh, those naturopaths. Um, and it makes me think of the times because my, my mother um, is a Chinese medical doctor, and um, mm. you know she practiced in China. Um, she did herbal medicine. You know she's done. Ac- she's been practicing acupuncture for well over you know 35, going over 40 years. And I remember um, before they've had more regulated uh, herbal pills um, for Chinese uh, uh, for Chinese medicine. Um, you know she would actually have to go to a basically a Chinese apothecary, you know, where, you know, actual, you know, herbs um, are actually weighed. Um, They're, you know, they're sitting in these shelves. I can actually just go on memory lane and just like kind of pop in there and uh, they would weigh them. They would, you know, um, you know, just separate them out and they would actually, you know, very, very traditionally, I'm sure this has been practiced for like millennials, um, uh, millennia uh, is just, you know, uh, mortar and pest, uh, pest, uh, pester and um, mm-hmm. just like grounded down and, you know, just everything, you know, and it's a very, um, it just speaks to how we are able to use what mother nature um, has provided for us. 
and, you know, kind of over time being able to, you know, for me, I speak more on food as medicine and using the food that we consume um, as, you know, not only for, uh, you know, health, but also, you know, for now that we have research to back this up, but more for preventing and treating and even reversing some chronic diseases, you know, and so like, um, the the herbs that we're able to, you know, bring out of Mother Nature, it's just amazing how we're able to do this over time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's, it's just wonderful. And I think um, in, in a way we have for, forgotten about that. You're absolutely right. You know, there's a lot of medicines that are synthetically derived from um, those are or, the origins of, of that. Yeah, and, you know, I love the overlap, too. Like, foods like cinnamon and ginger and turmeric, you know, these Mm -hmm. are integral foods to cultures, and yet they have these tremendous medicinal properties that, you know, Ayurvedic and Chinese medicine is known about for 6,000 years, and now we're starting to see randomized control trials backing up what ancient medicine has known. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very interesting, and um, you know, moving forward, definitely want to want to see where what more we can bring. And um, yeah, I'm just very very excited. So my next question to you is, you know, talking more about food and you know our modern day era, right? And um, mm-hmm. I think every specialty is affected, you know, uh, by this. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's orthopedics or just focusing on. Um, the musculoskeletal system and joints and bones to, you know, to your arena, you know, for women's health to psychiatry, you know, food plays a huge part that encompasses and affects all, right? So from your, from what you've seen um, from your experience, what do you feel are the biggest misconceptions in terms of how we uh, perceive uh, nutrition um, and food from, kind of like an integrative medicine perspective, you know, because you have that background. So when I was going through my degree in nutrition science, this was about, uh, oh, I don't know, 15, 17 years ago. And at the time we were still purporting basically that fat was bad. You know, everyone needed 55 to 65% of their calories coming from carbohydrate. Protein was sort of neutral. And that was the dogma that plagued the, I think, the research, the guidelines for a really long time and that we're still recovering from. And what, you know, seems to be coming out now is there's a lot of talk about, you know, well, what's the right diet? And I don't think that there's a one right diet for everyone. But when you look at individual groups and everyone's opinion, the one thing that nobody can arm wrestle is that vegetables and fruits should be the basis of any healthy diet. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you're vegan, plant-based, paleo, whatever, you know, everyone Mm -hmm. agrees on that. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. looking at the carbohydrate thing, I think everyone was eating way too many carbs, to be honest with you, particularly grains. And, you know, for diabetes, when we look at the reduction in A1C and fasting blood glucose, the low carbohydrate approach was the best, you know, Mediterranean um, followed that. And 
these were large-scale trials, you know, almost 5,000 people, meta-analysis of 56 trials, and then independently also looking at the the fat as, you know, not being the demon that I think everyone said it was. And actually, that's something that I really emphasize to my patients, particularly my pregnant and nursing moms, is you need fat. You know, you need pour olive oil over your salad, eat avocados, eat a handful of nuts. You know, you're making Mm -hmm. a person um, whose brain is, you know, largely composed of fat. You're making breast milk. Um, You know, you need um, energy reserve for yourself. And it always surprises me how that suggestion is met with resistance even still. And Mm -hmm. that's probably the most common um, nutritional conversation that I have with people that seems to Mm. be surprising. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, is it similar as well? Um, Do they get their information from, you know, nowadays it's, you know, for me, it's always, I always get at least a handful of, you know, before I came in here, I looked on Google and this is what I found. <laughs> and, you know, like, do you get this, yeah. you get similar, similar uh, health claims as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, Dr. Google knows a lot about women's health, um, <laughs> or at least he thinks he does. But yeah, yeah, you know, I think probably any health practitioner nowadays is, is getting that issue. Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So yeah, this is uh, this has been great. Um, so I I want to my my I want to close out by saying you know. I love um, I love hearing about my guests, you know, thriving and really, really understanding, you know, the the roots of that. So my I have a two parter for you. So what makes you thrive, you know, and by that, what makes you tick? What gets you up in the morning? What makes you kind of feel, you know, your passion to do what you do? Because you know, not only uh, you know, Doctor uh, Ann Canard uh, has you know, is, is, you know, well-accomplished, you know, physician, but she also speaks and she's also an author. So like what, what has made you thrive over the years? And from that, you know, are there three tips, you know, I, I like to call it my three to thrive that you can kind of impart to our audience members that they can um, actually apply right now. First question, what makes me thrive? I have truly gone with the tides in my life of what, what I've loved learning about and what has made me happy. And I have the the pleasure of a job now where I'm in academic medicine and I train the young resident physicians on not only labor and delivery, but I'm the director of integrative medicine for an academic center. And so I get to wake up and and talk to doctors about how to be well, how to be personally well. We work on um, mindful practice, having mindfulness applied um, to prevent against burnout and increased resiliency. We talk Mm. about diet. We talk about sleep. We talk about how to 
help our patients live well lives. I have, you know, just even today, I was I was not working on labor and delivery, but I was preparing several different dishes to give a talk tomorrow to the whole medical staff on food as medicine and mm-hmm. the data mm-hmm. behind it and how to make it wonderful and delicious and, you know, not, not a drag at all. And I think that, you know, I heard this, this talk and I feel like this really applies to how I feel right now. Um, this talk on the immunology of joy and that people that live joyful lives and lives with gratitude actually have better immune health and lower all-cause mortality. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so getting up and getting to do this sort of work is gives me great joy and great meaning to my life. And I have a supportive family, um, a little girl that just turned four and... Oh you know, makes, makes every day new. She, seeing her learn to cook with me, seeing her taste all of these things and imprinting this into her, Mm. her experience of food gives me a lot of meaning. And I also, you know, personally enjoy a daily meditation practice, uh, yoga, gentle exercise, um, I like to nap. I like to adopt pets from the shelter. (laughs) 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 I have a lot of creatures. Um, I like to garden. You know, I grow a lot of these medicinal herbs and make stuff out of it, so that's fun. Um, So really just living in a a way that's authentic and true to to my interests and and what I love, it makes me thrive. And I live next Mm. to the beach, so that doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in uh um you're in uh San Luis Obispo, right? Yeah, central coast of California. It's it's a beautiful place. Mhm. Mhm. That's awesome. Yeah. And what are your uh, three to thrive for our audience members? I am a big fan of a meditation and gratitude practice. I think that that the data behind it changing the neuroplasticity away from pain, away from negativity is really profound research. And whether it's keeping a gratitude journal or, you know, whatever format works for you. And then there's lots of different types of meditation. One of my favorite resources is the free Insight Timer app. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you can choose whether you like a, a mindfulness-based approach, a yoga nidra for falling asleep, something for relaxation, there are so many different topics on there and all of them are fine. You know, you can choose what, what feels good to you. But I think for me personally, it's changed the architecture of my sleep and my well-being. And mm. so I would really recommend that. And another tip to thrive is eating eating good food, you know, eating a, a whole foods, plant-based diet. Um, for me, I'm not a vegan. You know, I do have some omnivore um, in there. I would really consider myself a nutrivore, just emphasizing the highest nutrient content where possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that supports all systems in a way that no medication ever could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the last tip that I would have would be 
the tip of social connection and support, because when you look at the blue zones around the world and you look at people's happiness, a lot of that is tied to social connection and well-being and is an incredibly important part of health. Yeah, that's uh, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, my favorite part is uh, when you were talking about what has made you thrive. I think, um, you know, I, 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 one of the reasons why I do this is really, really, you know, you spend, you know, such a short, limited amount of time, um, you know, with your provider, you know, whether it's your, you know, OBGYN or your primary care provider, you know, I'm sure people were listening in. Um, who are, you know, we're also patients as well, right? So, you know, you don't really, you get, you know, the run of the mill, let's refill your medications and I'll tell you what's wrong and we'll give you a prescription. What's missing is that, you know, you're, what we're missing is the story behind the provider. We're missing, you know, what makes them tick, what makes them, you know, happy and what makes them thrive. And so part of, you know, one of the main reasons why I love this is because, um, you know, I get a sense, um, and I hope the audience members get a sense of, you know, that we're all, at the end of the day, we're all human, you know, and it's mm-hmm. beautiful that, you know, these are the things that has made you thrive, you know, in your personal way, um, to be able to kind of cultivate and create the type of practice that, you know, you have created thus far. So, you know, I think that's beautiful. And, um, you know, to comment on your second tip, which is eating good food and the fact that, yeah, you're not totally vegan. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, you know, tell my um, patients all the time. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't believe in diets and I don't want you to, you know, follow a certain regimen. I just need you to eat more plants, you know, because the, re- <laughs> because the research is sound, right? Yeah, and so, absolutely. Yeah. And it adds to your point about, um, you know, I also totally 100% agree that there's no one size that fits all, you know, it needs to be customized and needs to be tailored. So, yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. Um, so, so as we close, um, I want, I, if there's an audience member, um, you know, that wants to look you up, um, or wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, number one and number two, you know, tell us a little bit about your upcoming cookbook. Thank you. Yeah, it can be found on my website, which is www.dranncanard, and we'll link that in the show notes. Um, I'm on Facebook at Dr. Ann Kennard and also on Instagram at Dr. underscore Ann underscore Kennard. And I do a variety of things. I run herbal medicine workshops for the community and for different groups. Um, nationally, and uh, I do some professional speaking. One of the things I've got coming up is speaking at the NAPA Symposia Medicus mm. um, Integrative Women's Health Conference. I'm real excited about that. That's such wow. a, for me personally, that was a transformative conference when I went to it, and I'm really honored to be speaking there. Um, and then my book, I am so excited about because I don't feel like I've come across another book quite like it in the space. It is called Nourish, an Integrative Medicine Cookbook, and it combines food as medicine recipes and simple herbal medicine recipes and then recipes for mind-body practices. And so it's kind of all the things that I'm about all in 
one book and the food recipes and the herbs all have an explanation as to why the foods or why the herbs are medicinal, how to cook it, what it's used for. And it's got beautiful pictures. I developed all of the recipes and they're things I use with my own family, like an herbal cough syrup, elderberry popsicles when my daughter is sick, (laughs) um, you know, an immune boosting stew for the winter, just really delicious, easy to make things. These are easy, you know, things that I made when I was working as a full-time obstetrician with a toddler. So Mm, um, mm. it's accessible. That's awesome. When is this coming out? In two weeks. Oh, yes. Yes, And we'll definitely, uh, yeah, and we'll definitely put that uh, in the show notes um, here coming up. Um, So thank you, Anne, so much for coming on the show. Um, I think it's, you know, what you're doing is just wonderful and very, very much needed. And um, I hope, um, you know, people, uh, you know, get more out of this and, you know, can look you up and find you more. So and and get get a hold of that book. So thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to come on. (laughs) No, it's my pleasure. All right, guys, thank you uh, so much for listening in. Um, This has been another episode of Thrive Bites. Um, If you like this, uh, please subscribe and follow. We are here um, every Wednesday with a new episode. So we will uh, see you on the next one. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Anne. Thank you. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, Please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.